0: plushcare.com slash weight loss well welcome to the debunking economics podcast a special christmas edition and we're going to celebrate by looking at a story that is told time and time again around this time of the year a story that for me really sums up christmas dickens story a christmas carol now of course it's about scrooge A miserly creature who saved every penny, thought the poor belonged in warehouses, and Christmas was a bad humbug. But he seemed to live a pretty poor existence himself. I mean, today, the wealthy buy expensive yachts and uh, multiple holiday homes. Aren't today's wealthy better for the economy? At least they keep the money moving. And what of the liberated Scrooge? Well, Professor Steve Keen is with me. Uh, Far from a Scrooge character himself. Well, he doesn't have the money, for a start. He's a professor, for goodness sake. There's no such thing as a rich professor. Uh, But look, uh, Steve, I mean, Scrooge, in the end he was a changed character. He did spend lavishly, but would that have fixed the inequality of Victorian England if he just uh, kept spending? Well, how should the story really end? Well,
1: Ebenezer as you know was somebody who was a famous miser who turned into a famous spendthrift after the conversion of the, the Christmas the Christmas Carol effect and seeing the Christmas of, of uh, the, uh, the ghost of Christmas future. And um, to take a line from another Dickensian uh, character in Oliver Twist, uh, the definition there of, of luxury was £20 income, 19 11 and a half pence uh, expenditure and the definition of hell was the opposite where you uh, income was 19 11 and a half pence and you spent 20 and if ebenezer screws had continued spending like in the final pages of a christmas carol then he may well have got to the point where he ran out of money in his bank account and that was the end of him being uh, a, uh, a spendthrift again he simply can't be a spendthrift unless you print your own money yeah, yeah. And this so, is what Ebenezer should really have done. He should have run for prime minister.
0: Maybe he should have done. Maybe So that would be the happy ending. But look, he wasn't doing a great deal. It, even in those early days, he and Jacob Marley were supposedly squandering their money. So they weren't doing much good for the economy. They were just hoarding money because that's what they thought they had to do. I mean, that wasn't good I mean, for anybody. Yeah.
1: And what you do, when you hoard money like that, I mean, what, what that means is individuals have a stack of money which if they decide to spend more slowly, so long as the money comes in at the same rate, uh, then they can accumulate that stockpile. But if they're doing that, it means somebody else is accumulating that stockpile because the classic expression in economics that you, you have to get your th- theories to fit is that the expenditure and income at the, at the aggregate level are identical. Your spending becomes somebody else's income. So with the... And, and that's, that's the... Ex- the aggregate rule that means that at the aggregate level a society can't, in this sense, save, it can't be a miser because simply the act of spending less than you get in, everybody tries to do it what happens is you, we can't do it at the aggregate level, somebody else's income has to fall and the act of trying to save at that level because of the identity of expenditure and income, the fact that one becomes, the, one, one person's expenditure becomes somebody else's income, income falls and that was the point that Keynes is making back in the 1930s, that if you try to have the whole approach of sound finance at the government level and everybody trying to save money, uh, what you do is simply slow down its rate of turnover, and what ends up happening and adjusting everything is income falls. So it ends up being a, being a miser at the is individual pro target at the aggregate level fails. You can only be a miser if everybody else is still spending.
0: Now I'm fairly certain that uh, when he was building his business, he wasn't um, he wasn't borrowing. He was you know doing it the old fashioned way of he wouldn't spend any money that he didn't have himself, and uh, in fact he wouldn't spend very much of that either. Um, so uh, I, I mean he possibly screwed. Could have been even more successful, I suspect, if you had borrowed to grow.
1: Except that you've again, you, you can borrow to grow so long as you then generate more turnover. Uh, then you need to service your debt, and that's feasible when you have a low level of debt. The trouble is when you get to the stage that the entire society is at right now. That's that no longer works.
0: Right.
1: Uh, and this is, there's a little analysis which uh, people talk about the marginal. I hate the concepts of marginal productivity because leads least all the nonsense of economic theory about marginal this and marginal that determining the state of an aggregate economy. But there's a little discussion people have of the marginal efficiency of debt, and saying that if you go back to the 1950s, for every Uh, every dollar borrowed there was say you know 1.2 or 1.5 dollars of gdp and now it's down to the stage where it's actually almost a negative relationship and that's because we've got so much additional debt that the servicing costs are so great people spending rates has fallen the turnover of money that's generated by those loans in the first place has dropped so significantly that we now have a negative effect more debt means actually potentially means a fall in gdp not a rise. So
0: we we also had a huge inequality as well in Victorian England. We've got huge equality inequality as well today although you know i suspect he was much worse in those days and in fact that was that was a big part of actually why dickens wrote this uh wrote this story he was trying to show the difference between the rich and poor in victorian england and particularly uh you you may remember early on in the story uh you have the men collecting for the for the poor kids for the street kids uh the uneducated street kids and uh there's uh, dickens saying well are there no workhouses for them um, I, 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 why if um, you know if we've got this inequality today because basically the rich are able to borrow more, they are able to leverage against uh, against what they currently own. None of that existed. I mean, it, it was a much more humble living. Why that difference? It, I guess it had to <laughs> well, do with that, that, that's, the, there wasn't enough that's money that. being spent in, in the right areas.
1: No, that actually comes up with another very important issue that economic theory does almost bugger all about, and I'm trying to change that myself right now. They ignore the role of energy. And fundamentally, when you look at uh, what's actually happened over time, we're going from, say, Dickens' times and pre-Dickens, going back to uh, the invention of the steam engine and so on. We've been gradually learning how to use more energy per head and if you look at the amount of energy per head that was around for even the wealthy back in, in Dickens's time, the amount of energy they needed to expend to get from you know one side of London to the other, uh, compared to the energy they could afford to buy, was astronomical. You are a wealthy person if you could afford to cover England, London, in one day, mm. uh, because you had to have servants to uh, to be tending the animals that towed the cart that you owned, et cetera, et cetera, to get from one side to another. We think nothing of, and this is even people who aren't particularly well off, think nothing of hopping in a car and driving from one side to the other apart from the bloody traffic jam caused by all the other cars. So what's actually happened from Dickens' time to now and why the poverty, even though the income inequality is actually now to live, than they were back then, the fact that you don't have the same sense of abject uh, abject poverty and the uh, disgust that Dickens had is that we've become, effectively, we've all become energy czars. We're all using far more energy per head than was used back in Dickens's time. And therefore, even the poorest uh, have a luxury level of energy that is actually used to provide their standard of living today. So it's ironic in that sense. We have a higher level of inequality caused largely by the financial system. But in terms of the actual bottom level in society that's been raised up because we've gone from the days where you know high technology was a steam engine uh from you know from london to edinburgh now high technology not in london of the englander is, is a high speed train that can do the same journey in less than an hour and carry you know, 10 20 times as many passengers so we are energy gods that's what we're exploiting we're
0: not aware of it. So, how how different would it have been in uh, in, in uh, Dickens's time if people like Scrooge, for example, had just turned over their manifesto? How, what, what impact would that have had? Because certainly, you know, and that wasn't even in, in, you, you it wouldn't, been, it wouldn't uh, even wouldn't uh, even been in Victorian England. I'm thinking actually of my uh, of my great grandparents, you know, in the in the north of England, in Liverpool, where the whole idea was if you've got money, hang on to it, stick it under the mattress if need be, don't spend it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and that's actually something which comes out of being living close to the poverty line. Uh, That that is an automatic response. But what that means, of course, is because you spend less rapidly, you generate less income from your expenditure. And in this sense, money is the classic hot potato because what you spend ends up in somebody else's hands. If you try to hang on to what you've got, then the actual number of times it turns over drops. So if people spend more rapidly, you actually have more income. That was what Keynes tried to teach back in the 1930s, and economics still hasn't learnt that lesson because they don't think about the economy as a monetary system.
0: So maybe Keynes would have been a good uh, uh, ghost of Christmas future, you know, the one who was giving hope. What would he be saying to Scrooge? What would be the uh, what would be the Christmas message to try and get Scrooge out of his evil ways and also his his, um, his hoarding ways, which is possibly just as destructive?
1: Well, he's convinced everybody you've got to spend, spend, spend. But the best way to actually get that done is you run, for, run for parliament, become prime minister use the government's capacity to spend and actually generate more money the rest of us can spend and we'll grow away from that point if, from that point uh, so that's what he should have done run for parliament <laughs>
0: or just open a printing press and not tell anyone maybe that would be that's basically it. That's, that's
1: effectively what the government has
0: yeah all right very good well have a have yourself a great christmas and uh, look we'll talk to you uh, between christmas and new year uh, i want to get your predictions for what's going to happen next year because it's going to be one hell of a 2017 i suspect uh, so we'll talk to you for that Indeed it will. That's uh, Steve Keen speaking from a very sunny, speaking having a drink in the sunshine at Darling Harbour in Sydney. Uh, I'm talking to you from a very dull, dark, dank Surrey. Uh, And that is it for the Debunking Economics podcast. Back next week. Have yourself a great week. Thanks for listening. And don't forget, subscribe. You can hear these twice a week at debunkingeconomics.com.